All right, well, get your hands on God's Word. Turn on God's Word, whichever way you need to do, but get to the book of John, John chapter 1. And we are doing our study through the book of John, and, and um, it's good to see some of you back. Uh, haven't seen you in a while, so I know people have been gone because of COVID and getting sick, so it's nice to see new faces, old new faces coming back. So um, if you haven't been with us or haven't been online, we are doing a study through the book of John. And um, we are still in chapter one. Um, let me ask you, those of you who are parents, um, when you uh, say something to your, your, your child, you want them to do something, and, and you say it more than once, let's just say you say it more than twice, you repeat yourself. Are you repeating yourself just because you want to hear yourself speak? Or are you repeating yourself because you're like, I'm trying to get your attention because I need you to do something? All right. That's why we repeat ourselves to our kids. They're not listening and we got to get their attention. Well, here's the thing. Um, the Bible's no different. God will repeat himself in, say, a number of verses or in a chapter or in a book. And he, he, he doesn't like to say something once sometimes, but he will say it a number of times. Well, here's the thing. Today in John chapter 1, um, starting in verse, let me get it. Verse 19, we are once again looking at the fact that John the Baptist was a witness for Christ, okay? And here's the thing. Um, if you have been listening over the past few weeks as we have worked through the first, first 18 verses, um, this is not the first time that this comes up. In fact, in about 20 verses, this is now the third time that God mentions the fact that John the Baptist was a witness. In verse 5, or let me, let me look here. I wish I had that, that brain, I could remember this. In verse 7 and in verse 15, you see that John is called to be a witness. And now here we are again, repeating, John is a witness. Now, you know one of the challenges of being a preacher and, and preaching through a book of the Bible is um, you can't just skip stuff. Um, I have to be faithful with what the Bible says chapter by chapter. Because how many of you know, I've already preached on the idea of being a witness. Remember those? Okay. How many of you know it would be easy to go, I've already talked about this. I don't need to say, and skip this section. But I can't do that. I have to stay faithful to what is being said in the word. So I have to go, if God found it important to tell us three times in 20-some verses that John was a witness, do you think maybe he's trying to get our attention about something? What do you think he's trying to get our attention about? Being a witness. And so today, once again, I want to look at, and I've entitled this message, Pointing Others to Jesus. How do you and I point others to to Jesus. So let me read our text and then we're going to dive into this. So starting in verse 19, it says, and this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. And so they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? 
And he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one who you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. All right, let's look at four things that you and I need to do to point others to Jesus. And here's the first thing. Point other, you point others to Jesus by accepting your calling to be a witness. You need to accept your calling to be a witness. And that's where John is, is right there in, in verse 19. And this is the testimony of John. That word testimony simply means witness. John was a witness, all right? He was a witness to the coming of the Messiah, the coming of Christ, the coming of Jesus. He was a witness to the people of Israel. And he had this calling to do this. In fact, even if you look at verse 6 in chapter 1, it says that God sent John to do this. John had a calling on his life, and his calling was to be a witness for Christ, for Christ coming on the scene. Now, Jesus was already in the world, but his, but his ministry hadn't started yet. The Messiah was already, the Christ was already in the world, but what he was about to do hadn't been known yet. And, and John the Baptist has this calling. Now, this calling on John actually even started even before he was born. When in Luke chapter 1, an angel appeared to John's dad, Zechariah, and uh, proclaimed to John's dad, hey, this is what your son's going to be like. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 17, it says, he, meaning your son, John, he will bring back many people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Now, when that talks about the spirit and power of Elijah, it just means Elijah's ministry. I was just reading this this morning in my personal time. Elijah, did, the prophet, was the one who called down fire and um, burned up an offering that 400 uh, false um, 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 prophet, false, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? False prophets. Yeah, false prophets. I'm thinking of some other word, but um, priests. I was thinking of false priests. But, but, but he burns up an offering, you know, fire from heaven comes down. He, he, he's the one who, who like, um, told King Ahab, oh, by dude, it's not going to rain for three years. And it stopped raining for three years. So Elijah was this, was this prophet, and his job was actually to turn the people of Israel back to God. And this is what it's saying about, this angel saying about John, the son of Zechariah. He's going to have the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn, and again, the hearts of parents to their children and disobedient to the wisdom of the righteousness to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John the Baptist was called to go and minister to people, to preach, to tell people the Messiah is coming. He was a forerunner of Christ, and he was to turn the hearts of people back. Then when John was an adult, in Luke chapter 3, verse 3, it says this, the word of the Lord came to John, son of Zechariah in the wilderness. I like that. It says, the word, the word of the Lord came to John. And I, I read that and I was like, I wonder how the word of the Lord came to John. 
And I'm thinking there's maybe three possibilities. One, it could have been an angel. Okay, because there were times that an angel shows up to Mary and Joseph. An angel showed up in the Old Testament to say, hey, this is what God has said. But then maybe, maybe he heard the actual voice of God. Like when John the Baptist baptized Jesus and God speaks, this is my son. And everybody here is the word of the, 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 the Lord, the God. Like who? And maybe he heard the actual voice of God. Or I'm thinking maybe this one. And this is the one I'm leaning to. Maybe Jesus himself showed up. Because you got to remember, John and Jesus were relatives. They were cousins. So it's not like this is the first time that he sees this guy, this Jesus show up and go, oh, no. They grew up together. In fact, if you remember, Mary, Jesus' mom, and Elizabeth, John's mom, hung out together. So it's not like Jesus and John weren't showing up at family reunions going, dude, how you doing? When they were teenagers, think of two teenage boys just hanging out. They grew up together probably. So I'm thinking that Jesus comes to John one day and said, hey, John, you know me as your cousin, but I need you to know me as God. And here's what's going to happen. And I need you to go before me. And then it says there in John 3, so he gets this word from the Lord and he says, and he went into the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He's, he, he's given this calling, hey, John, here's what I need you to do. And he goes into the wilderness and he begins to speak. He begins to preach. He begins to call people back to the Lord. He tries, he's, he's calling them to the fact that, hey, the Messiah is here and he's about to get on the scene. He was called. He had a calling to this thing. Now, here's the thing that you and I need to grasp and you and I need to accept is when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are sitting here today or listening online, you're saying, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, then guess what you are called to do? Witness, okay? Now, a lot of times you and I, when we hear the word calling, we think of it more specifically, Okay, like in Romans chapter one, it says that Paul says, I was called by the Lord as an apostle, a specific calling for a specific job. And I believe that is true. Okay, we all have spiritual gifts and I believe that God calls us to a specific ministry. Like maybe you are called to teach children. You, you just have that gift and you have that calling. Like, man, I love working with kids. Or maybe you have a calling to be a pastor. Maybe you have a calling to do worship ministry. But you have a calling for a specific thing. But now, here's the thing. There's a specific calling, but I also believe there's a general calling. The general calling is where, where, where God just gives out a call to everybody. Every, if you're a believer, man, woman, teenager, it doesn't matter. Here is what I'm, you, are, you are to do. And the general calling is this. As a believer in Christ, everyone is to serve the Lord. You are to minister somewhere. You are to serve somewhere. As a, as a believer in Christ, you are called to worship the Lord. You are called to show up to church and worship him. And also, guess what? You are called to witness for the Lord. Every single one of us. It's kind of like the military in a, in a, in a, in, to a degree. When you sign up for the military, when you volunteer, when you become part of the military, whether it's the Navy, Air Force, Marines, Army, it doesn't matter, you sign up and you get a job. You have a specific job to do. When I was in the Navy, I was an aviation electrician. But not everybody in the Navy is an aviation electrician. There are some aviation ordnance men. 
Our daughter, she's an aviation bosun's mate, aircraft handler. There's different parts in the, of Navy or, or of aircraft people, but not everybody works on airplanes. Some people actually work on the ships. Some people work in admin. Some people are cooks, have different jobs. But everybody has a job in the military. And not everybody serves in the same place. You serve in different locations. But here's one thing that everybody in the military has in common. And this is the one call that no matter if you're in the Army, the Air Force, the Marines, no matter, here's your calling. You're going to boot camp. And there is no, you know, I really don't think I want to go to that. Do I really need to go? I know you're telling me I need to go to boot camp, but I really don't want to go to boot camp because I just don't, you know, it's just not me. They'd be like, suck it up, Sally. You're going to boot camp. And everybody in the military gets that call. It's time to go. It's time to go to boot camp. And you go to boot camp. You may not have the same job as the dude next to you, but you all are at boot camp. So guess what? All of us don't have, all of us in this room are not called to be a pastor. But you all have a calling to do something specifically. But guess what? All of us in this room are called to witness for Christ. Okay? Well, I, I, and, and the thing is, I think some Christians have this idea of like, well, you know, I don't want to do that. That's hard. So, Jim, we're going to let you do that. You just preach and we'll be okay. Or you know what? I'm going to let the, the, the people who are like the leaders in the church to do that. I'm going to let those people who are like really fired up about Jesus to do that. I don't think I need to do that. Yes, you do. Why? Because you're called to. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you are called to witness. You are called to share your faith. You are called to just, you have a testimony. And you are called to be a witness for Jesus. So in order to point to Jesus, you just need to accept that fact. Accept your calling to be a witness. Here's the second thing. The second thing about pointing people to, to pointing others to Jesus is this. Know that it's not about who I am, but who is in me. Okay, darn. They're all capitalized. I had it actually. It's not about you. It's not about who I am, all in lower caps. But is in lower caps. Is in me is in lower caps. Guess what word I had all capitalized? The who. It's not about who you are. But it's about who, capital H, capital W, capital H, capital O, who is in you. That is the key. And that's what we see here with John. So there in verse 19 again, and it says, and this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem. Who are these Jews? The Jews that they're talking about are not the Jewish people. It's the Jewish religious leaders. Okay, the religious leaders at that time would have been the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the, 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 the head honchos of the religious system. Okay, they were the experts of the law. These were the guys that wore the long, fancy robes, and, and, and they were like the teachers, and they, were the, they, they had followings, and they wanted everybody to acknowledge their preeminence in their religious knowledge. So they were the smart guys. They were the intellectual guys. They were the guys that said, hey, look at us. And so these Pharisees, these religious leaders, these priests and Levites. The priests were the guys that, did, that they performed the religious duties in the temple, okay? 
the Levites were their assistants. So the Pharisees, the religious leaders, grabbed some priests, grabbed some Levites and says, you guys go check this dude out. Because there's some guy in the wilderness preaching and baptizing. That's not his job. That's our job. We are the teachers. So they were probably just kind of, John was up there, you know, like, we need to find out who this guy is. And so these priests and Levites show up out in the wilderness and they begin to ask. And they say, who are you? In verse 20, he says, and he confesses and he did not deny, but confess, I am not the Christ. Okay, so even though they didn't ask, we have to assume, do you think they asked, are you the Christ? Because he gives an answer, I'm not the Christ. So we have to just put it in there that they show up and go, who are you? Are you the Christ? Meaning, are you the Messiah? He's like, I am not the Christ. See, the word Christ is the New Testament equivalent to the Old Testament word Messiah, meaning the anointed one or the Savior. And so the Jews were waiting for their Messiah. They were waiting for their Savior to come because you got to always remember they were under Roman occupation. And so they were expecting their Messiah, their Savior, to come and save them from the Romans. So here's John out in the wilderness preaching and he's got all these people like leaving the cities and they're going out into the wilderness and he's got like you know a mega church out there in the wilderness and he's got all this influence going on and the priests are like whoa time out who is this guy and in fact in the book of Luke chapter 3 verse 15 they were even wondering in their hearts if John might be the Christ because they're looking at what he was doing and they're like man he's nobody we don't know who this guy is but look what he's doing he must be the Messiah so these guys show up and the first question they ask hey dude are you the Messiah and John gives them a simple answer they say who are you and he confesses he's like I am not the Christ look at verse 21 and they say, what are you then? Are you Elijah? Again, they're looking at what he's doing and they're realizing, well, we don't know who this guy is. They look at how he's dressed because you remember he's dressed in camel's hair. So he's not wearing a fine suit. He has no education. There's nothing about John that's standing out. He's eating locusts and, and honey for his midday meals. And people are like, this guy, something's wrong with this guy, but look at what he's doing. And so they're connecting dots and they're like, oh, wait a minute. Elijah was doing stuff like this. Elijah was just showing up and doing amazing miracles. And in Malachi chapter 4, it gives a re- it's a prophecy that says that Elijah will show up at the return of the Lord. But that's the second coming. But they thought that was referring to the, the first time the Messiah comes, Elijah will come. So they're looking at John going, you must be Elijah. Okay, if you're not the Christ, you got to be Elijah. And once again... Here's what John says. So they're like, are you Elijah? And he says, no, no, I'm not. And then he says, are you the prophet? Who is the prophet? Well, the prophet is you got to go back to Deuteronomy. And this is when God tells Moses and he says, Moses, I am going to raise up a prophet just like you among your brothers someday. The prophet that, Jesus, that God was telling Moses about was projecting so far into the future and Jesus fulfills that prophet or that, that, that prophecy and he becomes that prophet. 
And so they're like, okay, you're not the, the Christ. You're not Elijah, so let's take it down another notch. Are you simply the prophet? And John just simply replies, no. Now they're baffled. So look in verse 22. He says, so they said to him, well, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. Sent us. What do you say about yourself? These guys are getting frustrated. They're like, dude, we've asked you these questions. You keep saying, no, no, no. Then who are you? Are you getting the idea that they didn't know John from nobody? They didn't know him. See, we think John is famous, don't we? Well, John the Baptist, he's the greatest. They didn't know him from Jack down the road. He was just nobody. Okay? John is just telling them, it's not about me. I'm nobody. You see, I like these two questions. Who are you? And what do you say about yourself? I want, to te- I want to show, speak on those in the context of us. John's being asked, who are you? And he's like, I'm nobody. You see, sometimes we look at that. And can I tell you, when it comes to witnessing, I don't think people are coming up to you going, who are you to tell me about Jesus? Anybody really ever have that happen? I never have. Nobody's looking at me like, oh, who are you? No, that's not the question that's never asked. The question that's asked is actually the question that I ask myself. Who am I? to speak about Jesus. Who am I to be a witness? I mean, I'm not the pastor of the church. Who am I to, I, I don't have an education. I didn't go to Bible school. Who am I to be a witness? Because you know what? I, I, I don't really have that flamboyant personality. Who am I to be a witness? Because you know what? I, 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 we, we, I think we ask that question about ourselves. Who am I? Write this down. This is not going to be on the screen, but just write this down. When it comes to understanding who you are, when it comes to witnessing, here's something very important to always remember. The messenger is nothing. The message is everything. The messenger is nothing. The message is everything. When it comes to you being a witness, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a guy, a girl. It doesn't matter if you're, you're educated, uneducated. It doesn't matter how much you know about the Bible. It's not about you. John the Baptist was a nobody. Nobody knew him. He wasn't well-educated because I'm telling you, if you're well-educated, you're not wearing camel's hair and eating locusts for lunch. So I don't think he was very, a lot. he didn't have a lot of education. He came from a very poor family and a poor community. All right, And he's out in the wilderness, in most people's eyes, probably looking like a buffoon. But yet, John knew who he was. I'm nothing. But he knew who was working in him. He knew who was in him. Because it was God working in him and through him that helped him do what he needed to do. You know, when it comes to witnessing, you may not be able to, you know, how many of you ever heard of the Romans road? You know what I'm talking about? There are certain scriptures in the book of Romans that you are to memorize and be able to say to people, well, you know, in the book of Romans, it says this. And you, whoa, I almost fell over. That would have been really embarrassing. And so you, you start with this verse and, you know, like, 
you know, like in Romans chapter 3, you know, we're all sinners. And because of our sin, it leads to death. And, and you just take them down through like four, five, six different verses of the book of Romans. It's called the Romans Road. Well, here's the thing. A lot of people are like, well, I don't know the Romans Road. I don't know all those verses. And we sometimes think that we've got to have this great intellect biblically. Now, does that mean you don't study your Bible? Does that mean you should not know what the gospel means and how the gospel works? Absolutely not. You need to understand the word. But here's the thing. Do you want to know what the greatest testimony you can give, the greatest witness you have, is this. What do you say about yourself? You know what? Here's what I can say. I may not know a lot about this whole thing, but what I do know is this. God has done a work in my life. What I know is this is, man, I was pretty messed up at one time, and I came to a place of, of accepting Christ, and I know I'm not perfect by any means, but boy, he's, do, he's done a work in me. You see, it's not about who you are. It's about what God has done in you. And if you were honest with yourself, if you were truly look at your life, you've got a testimony, don't you? You should be able to say to someone, I'm still messed up like a soup sandwich. But boy, God's been good to me. And you know, that, that doesn't take a lot of, when you're at work, and somehow, some way, you get on a spiritual conversation. You, you just start talking about life in general. How easy is it for that to bridge into? Man, you know what? I was a mess at one time. Oh, yeah, how? Well, let me tell you. Well, what happened? Oh, here's what happened. I heard, I, heard, I heard about Christ, and I came to a place where I accepted him, and he's changed me. It's that easy. But the, but the thing is, are you willing to do that? You see... John knew who he was, and he knew who worked in him. And that's what you got to realize. And always remember, it's not about who you are. You're nothing. The message is everything, and it's what God has worked in you. So pointing others to Jesus isn't about who you are, but it's who is in me. Here's the third thing about pointing others to Jesus. Be a voice. In order to point others to Jesus, you have to be a voice. So again, they're asking him, who are you? Who are you? And you know, what do you say about yourself? Verse 23, he says, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, I am just the voice. You know, when he talks about crying out in the wilderness, yeah, he was crying out literally in a wilderness. He was in the desert. But the real wilderness that he was crying out to was the wilderness of spirituality in people's hearts. See, at this point, when Jesus showed up at, and John the Baptist was on the scene, at this point in Israel's history, a word from the Lord had not happened in almost 400 years, meaning there was no other prophets on the scene. There was nothing announcing, hey, God is... No, it was quiet. And the people, had, had, had their hearts had become very desert, very wilderness, their spirituality. So John was called to be a witness for Christ for one purpose, to turn the hearts of the people back to the Lord. And he was, he was to announce and to say, listen... The Messiah is coming. Man, he's here. You got to get ready. Get your hearts ready. And people were going out and they were hearing the message to repent for the kingdom of God is near. And people were saying, man, I'm a sinner. 
And they were, he was baptizing them and, and, and turning their hearts back to the Lord, getting them ready for the Messiah. But the thing is, he had to be a voice. See, sometimes as Christians, <clears throat> we kind of think this way. And I've talked with Christians, and maybe you've even said this. You know, I just let my actions speak for myself. I just, just as long as I'm being good, I let my actions say everything, and we don't say anything. Well, that's true. How many of you know your actions better be lining up with what you say? Okay? We can't be like, we can't be saying I'm a Christian one day and then acting like an idiot the next day, okay? We can't be saying to people, I'm a Christian and then letting them see my ungodliness and my, my wickedness. And, and, and that doesn't fly well very well with unbelievers, does it? But how many of you know for the past couple years, that's been the condition of the church? We've had way too many people who say, I'm a Christian, and, and they're posting about Jesus and whatever online, and then the, and, the, and the next day, they're posting like ungodly garbage, and you've got unbelievers going, nah, nah, I'm, I'm really disappointed in this church thing. I'm telling you, Paul and I, have had, we've had conversations with people who are struggling with the church. And they're like, you know what? There's people putting the stuff online saying they're a Christian, but then all of a sudden they're saying this, and I'm sorry, that's a bunch of nonsense. And you've got unbelievers looking at the church going, can't buy it, cannot buy it. Because just like James in chapter three says, he's like, listen, you can't have blessings coming out of your mouth one day and cursing come out of your mouth the next. He's like, it can't happen. He goes, he, he's like, you can't have salt water and pure water coming out of the same source. It doesn't happen. So guess what? Yes, as believers, we got to make sure our actions are lining up. Okay, because if I'm a believer in Christ, if I say I'm a Christian and my actions aren't, again, you're not going to be perfect, but I can't allow my actions to be so ungodly that it just defiles my witness. We need our actions lining up. We need our actions to be right and godly and Christ-like. But listen, actions by themselves are not enough. Sometimes you got to use words, okay? This is what John did. He used words, okay? He had a voice, and guess what? There are times where, yeah, I want my actions to declare Christ, but there are times you got to use your voice, and you got to say something about Christ. You know, in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verses 13 through 14, Paul writes this. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's great news, isn't it? Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how many of you know that doesn't happen in a vacuum? People aren't, who don't know Christ aren't waking up on Saturday morning going, you know what? I think I want to choose Jesus today. That's not happening. People aren't coming to, to the Lord because they're looking at this awesome sunset and go, man, I need Jesus in my life. People aren't, you know, working for the Salvation Army and going, wow, these good works, I don't think it's enough. I think I need Jesus today. It's not happening, okay? Paul gives us an outline, and he details here in Romans 10 how someone comes to believe in Jesus. And so he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then he asks some questions. How then will they call on him in whom they've never believed? And how 
are they to believe of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? That word preaching means to herald, to proclaim. And it it means to have a voice. And can I tell you, it just doesn't mean the pastor, the pastor preaching. It means you are to herald. You are to proclaim, to have a voice, okay? And so guess what? Somebody coming to Jesus isn't going to happen just because they wake up and go, I really need to be saved. No, you want to know how it comes? By you having a conversation with someone. And speaking truth and just sharing and loving on people. You know, in Paul's day, the word of the mouth, the, the, the voice, was the only, the only vessel that someone could come to know Christ. And for thousands of years, that was the only way, was somebody voicing it. Somebody just going up and talking to someone. But then there came the day when the printing press happened. And now all of a sudden, we can print stuff. And man, now advanced hundreds of years, not only do we have printing press and books and stuff, that's awesome. Now we got the thing called the internet. And man, we can get information out there so much faster and quicker. And you know, it's great. Man, I just can get online and I can post a little, Jesus loves you. But listen, thank God for the technology we have. Thank God for, you know, the, 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 the ability to print things and to, you know, have things on, on the web and everything. Thank God for all that stuff. But I'm telling you, nothing trumps the, 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 when the voice of a passionate person. When, 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 you, when you just, nothing, nothing beats the voice of a conversation. To be able to ask someone, do you know Christ? Because can I tell you, a post can never ask someone, what do you believe in? A post online can never ask someone, hey, what's happening in your life? A post online can never come to the place where you ask somebody, hey, have you ever accepted Christ as your Savior? It's never going to happen. But man, there's something when you are just in a conversation with someone and you can ask someone, have you ever accepted Christ as your Savior? I'm telling you. The voice is powerful. And so guess what? Let your, let your actions speak, but guess what you need to be? A voice. Because that's why Paul writes in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And that's what you and I have got to be, a voice for the word of Christ. And then here's the fourth thing. The fourth thing about pointing people to Jesus is this. Realize the urgency of the second coming of Christ. Realize the urgency. So John is out there in the wilderness and they ask him, why are you baptizing in verse 25? And in verse 26, it says, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. John understood this is Jesus. And he understood who he was. And John's like, this dude is so awesome. I'm not even worthy enough to tie his shoes. Because he's so awesome. Because he's the Messiah. And he is coming. And he's like, man, I'm going to baptize people. And so the baptism of John is, a, is different from the baptism of, of believers. The baptism of John was just outward cleansing. 
It was like when priests, before they could go into the temple, they had to walk up to the, the big water basin and pour water over themselves as an outward sign of being cleansed. So these people were coming to John and he's telling them, hey, the Messiah is coming. Turn from your sin. And people are like, yeah, okay, dude, I repent. And, and I want to turn back to the Lord. And he would baptize them outwardly just as a symbol to say these people are turning back to the Lord and pointing them to Jesus. John was a human pointer. He was pointing people to Jesus. He's the one. He's the one. Do you know him? Are you ready for him? He's coming. And he just was pointing people to Jesus. You and I have got to point people to Jesus. And here's the thing. You need to understand the urgency of this. John knew it. He knew the urgency of Jesus coming the first time. Guess what? You and I need to understand the urgency of his second time. I don't know who watches the news and who doesn't, but there's something happening over in Europe right now, isn't there? Do you know the two major countries that are mentioned, not in name, but, but they're old names. Do you know there are what, the two major nations that are um, the power players in the end times? Do you know? Russia? Nope. Russia, China. See, in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, talks about an army. John, the, John the, the, the apostle, he see, remember, he, he's seeing the tribulation period play out. He's seeing this vision of the revelation of Christ. And he says, he goes, I saw this and I heard a number. He goes, I saw an army of 200 million. And that army is coming from the east across the Euphrates. Now, from the east, it means from the east of Israel, from the east of Jerusalem. There's only one nation. And you got to remember, in John's time, 200 million people was barely on the planet Earth at that time. But he sees an army of 200 million coming from the east. So if you were to look at a map and you find Israel and you go east, you just start traveling east and start going through all the countries. There's only one country east of Israel that can mass 200 million people. And that's China. And then in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39, it talks about these places called Gog and Magog. And it starts listing all these countries, about 10 of them. But there's one country that is, is, is like the leader of them. And that country is Rush. And, and trust me, there's a lot more people who are more brilliant on this than I am. But that one country is Russia because it talks about the army of the north. Russia is north of Israel. So you have the primary two countries, Russia and China. Now here's the thing. The Bible talks about in Revelation chapter one that before the, that the, the, the way the tribulation period is gonna happen is actually another major war because there's gonna be one of the writers is, is he's called and he goes out and makes war and billions of people, millions, like it, it, it's like a third of mankind will be killed. The tribulation will start with a major war. And here's what we need to understand and why we need to see the urgency that Jesus is close to coming back. Think of this as of a domino effect. If Russia does attack Ukraine and we and NATO jump into that, Russia has just allied themselves with another country, China. 
And if Russia invades and we counterattack, will Russia call on their new ally, China? And what can happen with all of that? A major war. Loved ones, listen. I don't say that to scare you. I say that to see the urgency. Jesus is coming back. Questions, two questions I have for you. One, are you ready? Have you accepted Jesus as your savior? Because he's the only one that can save you from being eternally lost. If you don't know Christ as your savior, I would implore you come to know him. Put your faith in him. But here's my second question. Are you telling people that? Are you being a witness? I think if we're honest about our witnessing, and I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to say I'm in this boat, it's easy to become dry about witnessing. Because, man, you know what? I've witnessed a lot in my life. I don't need to do that anymore. You know, we've been a believer for 20, 30 years. You know what? It's time for the young folks to start doing that. And we don't, we stop witnessing. We stop having that urgency to realize there's people in my sphere of, sphere of influence, whether it's a coworker, a neighbor, a friend, a family member who doesn't know Jesus. And have you become callous enough to go, you know what? They're okay. I don't need to say anything. Or do you sense the urgency to go, you know what? That person may not have a chance. And I need to say something. And saying something doesn't mean that you're, you're, you've got to be like, well, I need to save them, get them saved. You may not get them saved. But listen, you're saying something could be, again, like your testimony, you're saying something could, hey, I would, if, I would love to have you come to church. Or hey, watch us online one Sunday. Whatever. It's just saying something. When was the last time you shared your faith with anybody? When was the last time you saw the urgency to just say something to somebody? When was the last time you invited someone to church? When was the last time you really realized, I need to be a witness? And you begin to pray, God, open up opportunities for me to to be a witness. And God, when you open up that opportunity, open up my heart to walk through that thing. Open up my mouth to say something. Help me to be a voice because Jesus, you're coming back and I want to be ready. I want my family to be ready. I want my friends to be ready. I want my coworkers to be ready. I want people around me who I can influence to be ready. And so Lord, help me to point someone to you. Amen. Why don't we all stand closing a word of prayer? Well, Father, we come before you today. And Father, we have a need. And that need is that we need to be pointers of our Savior. We need to point others to Jesus. 
And Lord, I would just pray now that your Holy Spirit through this word is convicting all of us, starting with me. Because Father, it's so easy to become, become comfortable in our own little world. We um, sometimes have the mentality to think that I don't need to share anymore. And Lord, I would just pray now that your Holy Spirit would convict us all. And with your head bowed, I just want to give you a word of challenge. Have you become cold in your witnessing? Have you stopped pointing others to Jesus? Are you not sharing your faith? You're not inviting anybody to church anymore. You're not praying for God to show you and open up opportunities and doors for that. You've just, you've become comfortable. You've just kind of, your heart's become callous and a little hard about witnessing and you just aren't sharing. You're not pointing people to Jesus. Maybe today you need to commit yourself back to the Lord and say, God, it's been so long since I've shared my faith with anybody. It's been so long since I've been a voice. It's been so long since I've just invited someone to come to church. And I pray you'd forgive me and help me, Lord, to accept that call on my life that I am to witness and point others to Jesus. So God, I just pray that we all would just commit that to you, recommit if we need to, that, Lord, we could go into our world and that we would be that witness for you. And Lord, I would pray that we could have that boldness to go into our world, our communities, our sphere of influence and to be that witness that you have called us to be. And so, Father, we do thank you and we do praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.